Welcome to the Mindful Dietitian interview series. I'm Fiona Sutherland, dietitian from Melbourne, Australia and director of the Mindful Dietitian. Please join me as I interview dietitians from all over the world who are experts in health at every size, the non-diet approach and mindfulness-based practice. These are a collection of interviews by a dietitian for dietitians and nutritionists so that we can build a strong community of wonderful professionals who share an inclusive vision of well-being for everybody in everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Hello! Today I am absolutely thrilled to bring you the first of hopefully many incredible people as part of the Mindful Dietitian interview series. I only started the Mindful Dietitian about 18 months ago as a way of developing a place where dietitians and nutritionists could learn, share and grow together, where we can stick it to diet culture and not feel alone, where we can help our clients heal their relationships with food, eating and their body and maybe even do a bit of healing ourselves. I feel incredibly blessed by this community and the amazing array of people I've already met from all over the world, both in person and, of course, through the internet. Other dietitians really are truly changing the world. When we are able to not only promote ourselves, but also promote others and the things we're passionate about, such as making peace with food and dismantling the structures that keep us and our clients trapped, then we are really a force to be reckoned with. Yes, there is a website. So if you haven't checked out The Mindful Dietitian, it's as simple as www.themindfuldietitian.com.au because, of course, Australia, that means AU, uh, there's plenty there. There's resources, there's training both online and in person. There's downloadables, there's details about supervision. There's a fair bit there about what I offer personally, but what I'm aiming to do is really to promote other people as well. So if you've got something that uh, you're doing in the space of health at every size, non-diet approach or mindfulness-based practice, if you've got a resource or something that you, sh you can share, then please do contact me. I'm really happy to share anything that we're all doing together. So basically, the Mindful Dietitian is a hub for everything relevant to dietitians and client-centered practice. The Facebook group, if you're not already part of the group, then please join us over on Facebook for our closed group. It's very creatively called The Mindful Dietitian. I know, there are plenty of fantastic discussions and it's a great way to feel supported in your own work. So please join us. So today, to get us started, really, it can be none other than my dear friend, Hayes Hero Fiona Willer. If you're not familiar with Fee, as we call her, she is the author of the Non-Diet Approach Guidebook for Dietitians, and if you don't already have a copy, you can grab yourself one at Fee's website, which is www.healthnotdiets.com. That's Fee's company. Fee has also co-authored the Non-Diet Approach Guidebook for Psychologists with our wonderful colleague, clinical psychologist Louise Adams. So Fee is from the very small town of Gladstone, which is north of Brisbane. She lives there with her young family and she did move from Brisbane several years ago where she had a very busy private practice specialising in the non-diet approach and she was teaching at the University of Queensland. So nowadays, Fee remains really active in the university sector, working 
for several different teaching organisations and her primary passions are teaching and research. So she's this person that can tell her p-value from her t-test and she's the one who I always contact when I want to know how to slice and dice stuff. She's got a lot of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, Fee and I together run workshops for dietitians around Australia aiming to spread the non-diet approach love far and wide. So if we haven't seen you yet and you're within Australia or this year we're going to New Zealand too which we are really excited about. We'd love to meet you because there is room for everyone in health at every size. If you're new to Haze, as it's known, and the non-diet approach, Fee has also very generously developed a free online training program which you can access via her site. So jump on and take advantage of this really amazing resource. I keep going back over it myself, even though I, I feel like I'm kind of across it. It's just an amazing and very generous resource to have. In her spare time, cough, cough. Fee sits on the Association for Size, Diversity and Health Board, otherwise known as ASDA, and she is our international representative. Fee's also the Vice President of Hayes Australia. Oh man, Fee is such a truly, she's an amazing leader in so many ways, and I'm very lucky to be able to spend lots of time with her during the year. So onwards and upwards, let's hear some of Fee's wisdom and just a little project that she's working on that is a big bit bigger than just little. Hi Fee! So the one thing I forgot to mention was, of course, you're doing a PhD in health at every size. And so tell us a little bit about that because it's super interesting. So um, I am a uni lecturer by trade. Well, I'm a dietitian who then has been lecturing at uni for almost a decade now. Um, and when you work at uni, you are encouraged constantly to do a PhD so that you can go up the ladder in, in academia. So in about 2012, um, finally, they pushed hard enough that I uh, took the bait and um, started uh, on the PhD process, which I'm still on. So that's a while now, but I keep having babies, which extends my program. Yes. But my, um, so my topic is essentially the adoption of health at every size uh, and weight neutral lifestyle approaches into dietetic practice in Australia and, and globally as well. And basically looking at the, um, the sorts of dietitians who have already adopted Hayes and, and what their, their personal characteristics uh, are like, uh, as well as the... Um, the safety and efficacy of haze uh, use in dietetic populations uh, and, and also the elements about um, people who are less uh, haze friendly, as it were, uh, more haze suspicious, I suppose, uh, uh, the, the characteristics of those sorts of dietitians. And, and really my, um, my, my big long-term agenda is to have weight neutral lifestyle um, approaches as an option for anyone who comes to a dietitian uh, with weight concern, um, at least alongside traditional weight loss methods. So clearly not at the same time, but they need to have the choice that it's there. Otherwise, they're getting coerced uh, into a mode of treatment that might not be what best fits their values at that time. So I want widespread haze adoption across the board. It's just a small goal. <laughs> just a small goal yeah you have lots of small goals I've noticed <laughs> quite oh. extraordinary quite extraordinary um so Fee 
I know you really well and we have conversations well into the night, way past our bedtime whenever we get together. Uh, just something to be expected really. Um, but tell us, tell, tell other dietitians how you came to health at every size. So I, uh, so dietetics was my second um, career, I suppose. So I was a mature age student with all the maturity of a 24-year-old when I started the degree, <laughs> but it was my second one. Anyway, I, uh, and I came to it uh, in a way that's quite similar to a lot of um, dietitians that I wanted to change the world and make it a better place. And I thought that nutrition was the, the way to do that. Um, part of it was self-therapy for me and I was in the grips of an eating disorder at the time. Um, and part of it uh, was that I really wanted sort of direct professional direction, I suppose, because my previous degree, uh, which was in archaeology and film studies, was not really opening up sort of career doors that I imagined when I studied it. Um, uh, so anyway, so older um, dietetics student, and then when I was in my second year, I was handed a copy of "If Not Dieting, Then What" by uh, yes, um, by one of my um, now still good friends. She was in fourth year at that time. She handed me a copy, and I read that and had the epiphany that every Hayes dietitian tends to have, uh, that uh, suddenly everything fell into place and my own life had a lot more meaning than it had had before and uh, my professional life suddenly came into sharp um, focus as well. So really that was the, the, the penny-dropping moment for me. Um, so, yeah, about sort of second year at, at uni and, um, yeah, so sort of since then I jumped through all the hoops to get through uh, uni as you do because it, back then 10 years ago of course and it is at some uni still now still quite traditional weight loss focus yes, um, yes. that and then as soon as I was out had a private practice started lecturing um, and I was doing clinical dietetics at a hospital as well sort of seeing the world through a hazy lens uh, at the same time as through that traditional lens so that's really what got me started. Yeah you you have such an interesting an interesting journey to health at every size. So what what was it about your own personal experience do you think that seemed to be a good match for health at every size and the non-diet approach? Well, I had been the typical chronic dieter from, so I think my first diet was when I was 13 <clears throat> and I uh, was dragged off to Weight Watchers, all the rest of it, and I wasn't, you know, objectively looking back now, now that I know, you know, as a dietitian, I know that numbers was not, there was nothing really pathological about my body shape at the at that time, yeah. um, but uh, for whatever reason, popular wisdom, I was dragged off to to Weight Watchers. Dutifully did everything they asked me to do. Weight came off, went back on. You know the usual um, yo-yoing effect at the same time as adolescence, which was just brilliant, and um, and ended up with uh, binge eating disorder essentially. Uh, and my, so as I said before, I was still sort of in the grips of that in the early stages of uni, mm. not realising how in the grips of I was, which is so common. And um, at the same time, or well, very around the same uh, period as I was handed Rick's book, um, I also went into psychological treatment for binge eating disorder, which involved a mindfulness intervention. It's part of a trial at the time. Um, and 
that essentially that was my that I've recovered uh, thanks to that treatment program, um, and that of course then gave me the the perspective of a chronic dieter having lived through the system as well as the sort of, sort of my clinical hat, seeing it from the outside and seeing it through the research lens as well. So my personal experience was really important for me to find Hayes because it was personally satisfying um, as well as knowing that then that could be potentially helpful for our clients as well. Even though I personally had psychology-driven treatment for my eating disorder, um, I could see that the application in dietetics was such a nice fit as well. Yeah, absolutely. So were there moments during your training when you had those times where you thought, yeah, there's something that doesn't match with me here at various points? I think, well, I mean, the thing is that traditional um, weight-focused dietetics has got such an inherent amount of bias in it. And I myself carried such a lot of internalised weight bias at the time that I just swallowed the whole thing, hook, line and sinker. And um, there were times as a dietetic student that I very much like outsider because my body was not the slim, young, uh, archetypal type that um, most of the other, the rest of the cohort had. Um, and so... You know, up, up until, I guess, my awakening, per se, my haze awakening, I didn't recognise that there was any sort of, um, you know, I, I totally ascribed to the sort of judgments that I was giving myself as the sort of judgments that were appropriate to be giving other people in, in large bodies. So yeah. just, that was just how it was. So it wasn't until my haze awakening that I could see that there was actually another way to look at things and it was really difficult for a while to reconcile uh, those messages with my lived reality. But, you know, essentially university is such a big mangled mess of stress and these sort of short-term goals, blam, 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 assignment, assignment, get through it, try to survive, try to make a living while you're on crack and all those things that um, was just fighting fires to get out of the system. I really didn't, I, I didn't, push back while I was a student. I didn't feel like I had the agency to do that. Yeah. Um, and then, and I also hadn't seen enough clients to know that a lot of them were like me. So I didn't have that perspective either. So it wasn't until I finished and had my private practice and saw multiple um, hospital patients and all of that, that I actually sort of was able to recognise the uh, negative stuff that we're all complicit in in dietetics, judgments that are appropriate to be giving other people in, in large bodies. So yeah. just, that was just how it was. So it wasn't until my haze awakening that I could see that there was actually another way to look at things and it was really difficult for a while to reconcile uh, those messages with my lived reality. But, you know, essentially... University is such a big mangled mess of stress and these sort of short-term goals, blam, 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 assignment, assignment, get through it, try to survive, try to make a living while you're on crack and all those things that um, was just fighting fires to get out of the system. I really didn't, I, I didn't push back while I was a student. I didn't feel like I had the agency to do that. Yeah. Um, and then, 
and I also hadn't seen enough clients to know that a lot of them were like me. So I didn't have that perspective either. So it wasn't until I finished and had my private practice and saw multiple um, hospital patients and all of that that I actually sort of was able to recognise the uh, negative stuff that we're all complicit in in dietetics. So you talked a little bit about being complicit in what is essentially diet culture really in the in the sense that there are some good bodies and there are bad bodies there are bodies that need fixing really and that actually our job is to help people fix their bodies in some way shape or form so how do you think it is that we kind of have become complicit in this and what do you notice about the way that we keep getting drawn back into the into being part of diet culture Oh, it's so multifaceted, isn't it? So as a health professional, we've got the WHO breathing down our neck. In a, you know, it looms large, the obesity statistics and the obesity guidelines, looming large in the background of our minds in terms of, uh, you know, the trying to make obesity some hysteria um, promoting, uh, a provoking risk, right? So we've always got that and dietitians are wonderfully clever and but very people, we like to please people, we're people pleasing people <laughs> um, because we like people, we wouldn't be dietitians if we didn't like people. So we're not really great at um, delivering difficult messages and delivering messages uh, and we're not also good at sort of being able to reconcile difficult messages in our minds. So I think um, we like being conservative. That's my, my guess, um, in which case it is easy when you're in a conversation with a patient to continue those social norms and that does make it continue those social norms of um, the, the body perhaps being a problem um, and not challenging because we would, you know, if we challenged every bit of weight bias that tumbled out of somebody's mouth at the clinic, and we should do that in a kind way, but we would feel like we weren't ever getting anywhere. Mm. And so it's the things that we um, ignore that makes us complicit rather than um, these days, I think. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. So it's the stuff that we kind of let slip by. Just because we don't want to be um, aggressive, <laughs> really, with our clients. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or we simply don't know what to say or maybe mm. we feel like we're, we're ill-equipped with the knowledge or the experience or with um, the support because for a lot of people I think it's it's not realising that actually there's a there are so many dietitians throughout Australia and throughout the world that are working in the health at every size approach and non-diet approach that um, sometimes I think people feel quite alone and feel very, yeah, very isolated in, the, in this way of working and think, well, uh, you know, feel like it's it's radical in a way which is so funny because on one hand it's totally freaking radical because it's butting right up against diet culture and it's but butting right up against our dietetic training whilst at the same time it's like so obvious you know in so many yeah. ways you know but i mean the clinical evidence is clear it is it's blindingly clear from NHMRC level A evidence all the way through to epidemiological studies, all the way through to randomised control trials. It's clear. Haze is safe. Haze is helpful for a great deal of people. But because it 
it uh, has the audacity to suggest that we allow people to stay in the bodies that they currently have. Mm. And that's such a cultural, that is just a, a cultural figment that, but that is the block. That's the block from getting people to move forward and accept that Hayes is great, you know. Um, it's just astonishing, the kickback. They shouldn't because culture is messed up. The evidence is not controversial. Absolutely. So it's a diet culture that's really um, keeping people trapped in, uh, in maybe disordered ways of eating or feeling about their bodies um, rather than, uh, yeah, rather than their intrinsic sense of how well-being can be, can be achieved. That's it. And I want, I want to um, also mention something else that I've noticed with the, the journey, as it were, from, for dietitians from a traditional perspective through to a Hayes perspective as they learn. And I've noticed that it's very similar to the way that our clients also take that journey. Um, so what I, I think what's going on is that the really super hazy dietitians like me and you <laughs> and a fair few other people out there, we have, with the um, greater time, developed a real uh, confidence because we know the, um, we're really comfortable seeing the world from this, posi from this uh, position. We're really comfortable um, unpacking those biases and really comfortable calling out diet culture when we see it. But the people who know that haze is... Uh, that it feels right and they look at the evidence and they go, well, that is right, but they're not as quite as confident simply because they haven't been at the game for as long as others have. That, you know, I, I, my message is that stick at it and your confidence will grow. It's a specialty area just like being a renal dietitian, just like um, being a sports dietitian. You're not meant to just be able to click your fingers and get it straight away um, and we have to be have you have to have compassion for yourself if that's the position that you're in that you know that you're early on in the journey and we also have to have compassion for our for our colleagues that there are all different stages um it's also like adopting feminism you know there's so many parallels there that you, you don't know what you're looking at like you think you know and then your perspective changes and it wasn't what you thought it was at all so um so yeah but you mentioned the, the kind of the parallel process that happens between our own journey to Hayes or, and then our clients um, and their journeys to understanding their own experience in this culture and how they come to uh, understand a bit more about health at every size and the non-diet approach. And you mentioned those parallels. I just think that's really interesting. So... We need to recognise, uh, and, and really I didn't have this, I didn't realise this until you and I had been teaching this stuff to dietitians for a couple of years. Um, and it's a real, it's been quite a, um, what is the word? Humbling's not quite the word, but I guess... It, uh, it actually has resolved a lot of the stress I was feeling about um, trying to help people adopt haze all the time. Adopt, adopt, adopt. Come on, we can do this. Let's all do it. You know, let's change the world right now. But <laughs> um, the wisdom 
that I have gained in teaching this stuff for so long and academiaing in it for so long is that you cannot change someone who, who cannot help someone to change, cannot open their eyes in a way, cannot help them to have an awakening if they're not ready for it. Mm. And so that includes patients and it includes dietitians. So if you've got someone who is, who even when, um, so you've, you've put in front of them and in front of the dietitian, you've, you've laid it out. Here's the evidence, long-term, short-term outcomes. Here's what it might look like. Um, here's uh, a few examples of successes, blah, 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 blah. Um, what do you want to do? There will be some people, even with the most compelling argument, that will still choose the status quo. They will still choose traditional. And so... And that is their choice, if, ultimately. If you, continue to harass, if you continue to harass that person, you have a look at the political, the political divides that exist globally now, you can see that happening all the time. You know, people have got the tribe that they pick, and the more that they are tried to be harangued to thinking another way, the more they double down and they dig their heels in. And we can learn lots of lessons in our uh, for, uh, weight concern treatment from that basic human uh, reaction to being pushed into something. So, um, yeah, I guess we have to, again, it's about compassion. So, like, okay, well, that person's not ready. That's fine. They might be ready next week. They might be ready next month. They might not be ready until they're 85 and sitting in a hospital bed with a broken hip that they finally come to the conclusion that they don't need to wait to food restrict anymore. No one can tell the future, but pressing people is not the answer. So, um, yeah, so that's my the, the big take-home thing for any dietitian working weight neutral or weight centric is to hold those concepts lightly and to not take it too personally if somebody doesn't want to do it right then and to they have to have the agency to make the choice at the time. Otherwise, we're doing no better than dietitians who have got weight loss programs. No better. That's really true. So essentially what you're saying is, you know, us offering a gentle invitation to people to um, explore and experiment and just uh, find a different way to look at their experience because most people will come to us with um, with very um, sad experiences of being part of this diet culture, being objects of uh, weight bias. And really, for a lot of people, this is the first time they've heard that there is another option to be able to take care of themselves from a place of respect and care rather than, you know, uh, lose weight and your life will be perfect or lose weight and you'll be perfectly healthy or lose weight and you'll get a partner, you'll be happy, you'll be confident, you'll be, uh, you know, and those millions of other things that diet culture sells people all the time. And I think it's, you mentioned a lot about compassion and I think that's, it's such an incredibly important point because, when any of us hear news like, um, like you know, around the, the dire statistics around dieting or um, are offered an alternative, then inevitably there's going to be that, that part of us that wants to defend our previous experience or just wants to give it one more go because realistically, even when they leave our office, even if they leave feeling heartened and supported and feel like, oh, wow, this is great, this is something different, we're sending people back into the world, back into a world that 
um, can be highly judgmental and, and, um, and health providers that can offer weight-centric advice and, and family members and well-intentioned and well other people who uh, may have um, quote-unquote health concern um, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's being expressed through a weight-centric lens. So I think it's, uh, you know, those parallels in our, in our learning is, is just so relevant, really. Yeah. And really, it's resilience. We are trying to arm them with resilience in the face of the sort of world that we live in. And that's really what happens over that, that tr transition is that one builds up one's resilience to all of the cultural messaging that we're getting, um, partly through, I mean, for dietitians, it's really important to know that we have a very tight group of very hazy dietitians that are here to lend support and solidarity when you need it. And for the patients as well, for our clients, um, they need to know that even though they might feel alone in their own life and their own social, like physical social circle, that there is a very amazing uh, online community of support and um, a lot of other places they can tap into to help them to be resilient uh, in the face of um, their, you know, everyday lived experience of weight stigma. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I know I often talk about getting angry and grumpy and feisty and that's uh, probably a little bit about my personality as well and about how I respond in the face of stuff that pisses me off. Um, but you are very famous for being incredibly calm and diplomatic uh, in the face of stuff that pisses you off most of the time. I have seen you get angry, which is... Yeah, behind closed doors, I get quite angry. <laughs> yes, that's true. So... Um, what what kind of advice would you give? Because I guess it's I guess there's, there's a time to be angry and get feisty and get upset, and then there is a time for diplomacy and calm and for a bit of um, for things to be a little bit um, methodical or to have a bit of a a plan amongst the mess. So, you know, what is it about you that allows you to be so diplomatic in such tough circumstances? I guess. Well, I mean. The thing is that I have, again, it's that kickback thing, right? Um, and in a fight, people take two different standpoints. But I know with Hayes, particularly being a Hayes researcher, that actually our research stands on the shoulder of all the weight loss research that's been gone before, that's happened before. So that previous research isn't wrong. It was just looking at things that aren't particularly helpful. So that association between uh, BMI and ill health, that it's not that the research was wrong, it just wasn't enough. They didn't unpack it for behaviours. They didn't unpack it for, um, for factors that people, that, you know, they're actually meaningful. It's just like looking in a bucket when you look at big epidemiological studies that aren't, aren't controlled for health behaviours. So... I guess I remember all of that stuff. And so I can see where they're coming from because the, it looks like the evidence is irrefutable, but it's a bit like a, a sort of Monet painting, right? So you can say, look, that colour is blue and that colour is yellow. There is no denying that those things are right, that, that those things are what they appear to be. But then, of course, when you step back, you actually see that it is something else altogether and that those things are still yellow and blue but the big picture is what's important. So 
there's that. And I, I, I have a few enemies, but I don't like, I, I, the, the sort of wars that I engage in tend to be more academic wars. So I like to debate people about ideas and about research um, rather than about um, so much about the emotional aspects of it, even though I'm feeling it. But I just, I just, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's the lecturing stuff because we have to tell students pretty difficult things at times and um, it's important to build, you have to be diplomatic to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I've always got that sort of hat on as as well. I do I do like a mic drop moment um, yes. where I'm dropping it rather than throwing it at my opponent. <laughs> yeah, quite. And, uh, yeah. and let's hope there's a few of those this, this year, Fee. Yeah, well, you know. Please bring it on. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is um, what do you think, is there, are there things that you think these days are just really well accepted within our profession that in the future, if we were to look forward, say, 10 or 20 years, we would look back and just go, oh, can't believe that we did that or said that or that that was seen as okay. What's your dream? Um, <laughs> well, my dream is that we look back and we see the dietitians running weight loss programs. We see that as outdated. That would be my dream. Um, and that hopefully the profession has moved on and has sort of, I, I really want us to get better at delivering tough messages so messages that are countercultural. so i think we think we're good when we're being tough and saying you know you're overweight you need to lose weight i know that's hard to hear blah 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 but that's just lip service to the culture i think it's a much harder thing to go look um the reality is that if we were to lose weight now we and i could help you do that it's going to be back on within three to five years. There's nothing special about what I'm going to tell you that they haven't done in large, multi-centre, well-funded research studies, um, and they all have shown that the weight's back within three to five years. And I know that's hard to hear and you're going to be grieving, thinking, thinking of yourself in the future in the same body that you have now. It's not really a changeable thing like the culture has, that like our culture has sort of told us that it's possible. We're not made of clay. We cannot shape ourselves into the form that we desire. That's hard. That's harder than saying you need to lose weight. So I hope that we get better at delivering those messages. And I just want, and I've said this a number of times on podiums all over the place now, that we just need to be really honest about how ineffective we are. Like we're great humans, but we're not great at weight loss and we need to stop pretending like we are. And our profession needs to stop having that as their mantle of pride that you know that we're weight loss experts because it's a very flimsy thing to purport to be an expert in something that actually there's level a and hmrc um, evidence to show that no one is an expert in that mm -hmm. So on that note, what do you think um, that would be more beneficial for us to say that we are experts in, if anything at all? Well, we are experts in nourishment across the lifespan, basically. When it all boils down to it, that's really what we're interested in. We're interested in humans of all ages and of, in, 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 um, in sickness and in health 
uh, we're about nourishment and um, trying to avoid uh, bad stuff, bad knowing stuff. that we can't. <laughs> you know, <there's, laughs> well, trying to avoid dying sooner than we could otherwise have, um, uh, regardless of what sort of condition, you know, quality of life people. So we're still really valuable, but we need to not peg all of our professional um, self-esteem, as it were, on being weight loss experts because that, you know, is patently obvious that we're not. Mm. No one is. Mm. Fee, you are an eternal source of wisdom. You are <laughs> incredibly inspiring with all the work that you oh. have done and continue to do. Um, and again, if anybody doesn't know about Fee's free online course, and that's available via her website, um, www.healthnotdiets.com. And, um, and Fee and I, for those of you, again, who, who don't know, we, we do our round Australia trip pretty much once a year, uh, running training programs for dietitians. And it's really our passion, isn't it, Fee? We, we, um, have like these slumber parties where we stay up until 2 a.m. and drink and eat and, yeah, way too much coffee, way too much wine, so much fun. So it's really thanks to you, Fee, that, you know, this movement has shape for dietitians and it has depth to it as well. Well, I couldn't have done it without you. It's because we're a great team, basically. So I bring the academic stuff and uh, you bring the human element as well. So, yeah, if you haven't done our training, you definitely should because uh, we, we love each other, but we're really fun as well. <laughs> as we are fun. There's gang um, included. Yes, exactly. So you just come to the training. <laughs> Fee, thank you so, so much. You are... Um you always have something very smart and diplomatic to say in all circumstances. I know I turn to you when I'm just getting horribly upset and feisty about something because you always have something wise to say. So eternal thanks and um, I shall see you soon. Um, Thank you very at, much Oh, yes, at the end of the month. Uh, no worries. Yes. Talk to you soon, Faye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today for the interview with the incredible Fiona Willer. I'm sure in that interview you picked up on Fee's wisdom and her depth and breadth of experience in not only working with people, but also her ability to be able to understand the research and disseminate that information in a really incredible way. She's, she's just such a great communicator and is able to understand how to interpret the research to help us and then we can then help our clients as well because often people just really struggle to understand, you know, um, how stats are reported or, you know, um, how health is presented or the correlation or causation as is often reported, uh, particularly in the wider media. So just a reminder that Fee's website is www.healthnotdiets.com. And there, that is full of resources and uh, workshops and training events. So go check that out, particularly if, if you're in Australia. Remembering that um, Fee has lots of online options too. So there's lots of things there for everybody, which is great. Uh, also mentioning the Mindful Dietitian website. So there you'll find lots of, again, events and workshops and um, opportunities to get involved in this amazing opportunity. What I've done is I've also stuck a calendar of events on there, which not only includes uh 
um, in-person kind of workshops, but also online opportunities as well, which are obviously available year round. So there are some incredible dietitians from all over the world um, creating some amazing courses, which you can do from the comfort of your lounge room, accompanied by a beer, wine, margarita, tea or coffee. So take your pick. So there's also some events coming up. We've got a retreat happening mid-year for eating disorder professionals. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, We've also got um, plenty of online and in-person workshop opportunities through the year. So would love to see you at one of those. But more importantly, I would love to hear your feedback about the interview series and especially if you would if you would like for me to interview anybody in particular who offers you know something really valuable to the these conversations around non-diet approach around mindfulness-based practice uh, my aim is that I'm going to be interviewing dietitians so it's dietitians for dietitians that doesn't mean that other people can't listen of course anybody's welcome if you want to come and take a sneaky peek at what dietitians are doing and how we talk about things then anybody is very very welcome the purpose about this of this really is to build our community and it's such an amazing one if you have not joined our closed Facebook group called The Mindful Dietitian just because you know I'm all creative in that, then please jump on. There's some really interesting conversations and there's some students. So, you know, it's a really great opportunity for us to be able to pass on our knowledge experience um, and our Um, paths to learning too because all that's really valuable Uh, you know my path hasn't been smooth it has not been linear and I've made tons and tons of mistakes along the way which I've really learned from so hopefully we can all pass on that love to the next generation coming through so again thank you so much for being here with me today I'm super excited to bring you lots of incredible guests I've already got about five or six people lined up and I think you're gonna love them so I will be speaking to you again soon and until then, all the best.